If you would turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. It's found on page 712. Isaiah 40, let's read the first eight verses. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all beauty, and all its beauty like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of, of our God will stand forever. In the Middle Ages, when a king made a proclamation that affected all his subjects, the news would would get passed out to all the communities in, in in the kingdom by the town crier. Town crier, maybe you've seen pictures of them on, on TV. They often wore a little bit bizarre looking clothes, often had a funny looking hat. And they would go into the communities and they'd say, hear ye, hear ye, and then they'd tell them what the king had said or some important information that they needed to know. And because so many of the people were illiterate, they couldn't read or write, they they needed somebody to proclaim something like that. Otherwise, they, they wouldn't know what it was. I even read in one article that in the early 1800s in, in Gosler, Germany, a crier was employed to remind the local population not to relieve themselves in the river the day before water was drawn for making beer. I guess that's the origin of dark beer? German beer? I don't know. Ew. Um, if you ever listened to the State of the Union address in, in uh, the beginning of the year, um, usually a town crier will, will come in before the president into the chamber. And, and what does he always say? Hear ye, hear ye. It's, and then he introduces the president. And our text is part of Isaiah's commission by God. He was called to cry out and offer God's comfort to Israel. And the only way this lasting comfort could be theirs was if they prepared their hearts for Jesus' coming. And that's what we've been talking about. The preparation that that the people needed to make. And, And last time we talked about how we need to lower the hills and raise the valleys so that they can so that our hearts are smooth so that Jesus can come and have his way in our hearts in our lives but the only way that can happen is first if we repent of our sins and we begin walking in obedience before God but what was Isaiah supposed to cry out he asked God this very question um, in verse 6 I'm sure Isaiah was thinking, well, 
Lord, you, you told me to comfort your people, and so you have more comfort to give them? Uh, what do you want to tell them? That you love them? That you want to bless them? That they are your precious children? Lord, what do you want to say to them? Lord didn't say any of those things. Actually, the message God wanted Isaiah to give his people, I'm sure it was a bit of a surprise to Isaiah. And when you listen to what God wanted him to say, it really doesn't sound very comforting, does it? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. In essence, God was telling his people that they were like dying grass and fading flowers. It's not a huge compliment. I mean, it would have been a whole lot nicer if they would have said, you're like a majestic oak tree, mighty and strong and stand there for a hundred years, or you're like the king of the jungle, a lion, or you fill in the blank, a great eagle that majestically flies up in the heavens. God didn't choose any of those. He chose to compare us to something that was here today and is gone tomorrow. Something that's very temporary. God says, yep, that's my people. They are like summer grass and flowers. They look good for a while, but then it's another story. Pretty soon it's not going to be long before they wilt. They lose petals. They turn brown. And before you know it, they're going to die. And people will eventually forget them. Not really a comforting message that Isaiah was supposed to cry out. You think Isaiah was surprised that God wanted to comfort his people with this message? Again, it doesn't sound very comforting, so we, we, we kind of scratch our heads a little bit. But our, our text tells us the reason the grass withers and, and the flowers fade. And that's because the breath of the Lord blows on it. So it's not by chance, but God intentionally blows on His people at times. Now we know from Scripture sometimes it's a, a breath of blessing, and sometimes it's just the opposite. It's a blessing of, really you could say judgment. And there is a blessing in judgment because hopefully it causes the person to hit bottom and once again look up. The breath of God that Isaiah is envisioning here, it's like the hot desert wind in that part of the country. It's called a Sirocco wind. And because it comes over the Arabian desert and it's so hot that when it blows on you and it blows on the vegetation, it just seems to dry it up and just draw all the moisture out. And it leaves people dehydrated. Clearly, this is a metaphor that Isaiah is using here. It's meant to communicate how fragile we are in our, our fallen state. I think it's important that God's people, they understand this about their frailty and their need of a Savior because it, it, it helps keep us humble. Because we, we, we normally lean the other way. Pride can so easily fill our hearts. and We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. Our passage says that man's glory is fading like the summer flowers. We walk our dog all the time down the road here and 
It's neat to see how all the different flowers slowly come up alongside of the road. And they're just beautiful. But what we see one week, a lot of times it's gone the next and new flowers appear. And That's how it is with our lives. It's so fleeting, so brief. One day you're full of life and the next you're not. Listen to a couple other passages that that proclaim the same truth. Psalm 90, verse 5. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it's dry and withered. Or Psalm 103, 15. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. You know, even though this doesn't sound like the best news to proclaim or the best news to to even hear, yet for those who do hear it and do respond to it, they're going to walk under God's hand of blessing. Unless you learn God's purpose for your life, unless you acknowledge your dependence on Him for all things, you're going to struggle in this world. When you try to do things in your own strength and your own power, you're always going to fall short. It's going to leave you feeling empty and drained. And life gets hard. But then hear Jesus' words in Matthew 6, verse 30. But if God so closes the grasses of the field, which today is here and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And so even though this message, can, it almost sounds negative. Actually, it's not. Because for those who submit to the Lord, who humble themselves, who acknowledge the Lord and, and depend on Him, God will provide all your needs. Even though sometimes, just like Jesus said, um, everything is going along fine. Everything is great, but then suddenly it gets taken away. And at times like that, what do you do? Will you turn to the Lord? Or will you scramble in your own strength and try to work it all out? And So we have to remember that our God loves us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to draw us closer to Himself. And so long as there's sin in our lives, He can't do that. Because it comes between... Him and us. Even though our lives are temporary, God gives us something that will last. And that's how this passage ends. Isaiah concludes at the end of verse 8 by contrasting what he's been saying about our frailty with something that's eternal. I mean, we, we all feel that frailty of our lives. I mean, one day you're healthy and the next day you get sick. You could have COVID. You find out you have cancer. It could be almost anything. But here's the good news. But the Word of the Lord stands forever. The Word of the Lord stands forever. Every promise that God has made us, it stands forever. You can trust Him. You can take it to the bank. Jesus' blood ensures it, that it will come to pass. And that's our hope, despite this temporary world that we live in. 
There's a true story about an Anglican minister by the name of Reverend Henry Light. Henry served a church in Brixham, England in the 1800s. Despite his effectiveness in the, in the pulpit, he ended up getting tuberculosis, and that kept him sick. And when he was in his mid-50s, he started to die. On September 4, 1847, Henry preached his last sermon. The elders of the church had to help him up to the pulpit because he was, he was so weak. Church history tells us that right after this, Reverend Light was inspired to write a hymn, and then he passed away. Listen to these beautiful words of this hymn. I'm not going to read it all, but just two stanzas, and, and I'm sure it's going to be familiar to you. Abide with me, fast falls the evening tide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fall, fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, O oh, oh, abide with, with thee. So what was Reverend Light's hope in, in both life and in, and in death? And he tells us in the fourth stanza, Hold thou thy word before my closing eyes, Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life and death, O Lord, abide with me. What was his comfort in life and in death? Hold thou thy word before my closing eyes. It was the eternal word of God. The word that lasts. The promises that we can that God will never forsake. Listen to how the Gospel of John puts the same truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of man. John refers to Jesus as the Word. The eternal Word of God that took on flesh and bones and was here on this earth eventually died on the cross and rose and went to heaven and he sits now at the right hand side of of God and he will be with us always here on earth and for eternity the word of God we can count on it it's true it's trustworthy This was the hope of God's people in Isaiah's day. And you know what? It's still our hope today. Christmas, it's become something that really it shouldn't be. We've made Christmas so much about us and and our celebration and family gatherings and all that. And, And while it's true and those are beautiful things and we cherish those, but the most important thing about Christmas is the coming of Jesus. It's, it's a time to prepare our hearts, to remind us of what a gift we've been given. And it's really preparation for Jesus' second coming on the Day of Judgment. Listen to how Peter says it in 1 Peter 1, 23. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. See, it's the living Word of God that makes all that possible. It brings life to those 
who embrace that word. It brings life to those who are willing to live by that word. The grass withers and the, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. This means that the, the comfort that is found in, in, in God's promises, it's, it's, it's still ours, just as it was Israel's so long ago. But in order to make it ours, we've got to be willing to put the Lord first in our lives. It's easy to make the Lord your Savior, but it's a lot harder to make Him Lord. Lord of every single area of your life. I often think of a pie and we want to give him one piece anyways Sunday, but a lot of times we're a little more stingy with the rest of the pie, but we need to give him all of our life, every area of it, everything we do, everything we say. Again, this is why the Advent season can be such a blessing. Because it prepares us for the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is coming will return one day on that white horse in triumph and victory. This is the good news of Christmas. Jesus says, because I live, you will live. This was the comfort of David, of Isaiah, of, of Reverend Light. And may it be our comfort as well. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank You for Your Word. All that it means to us. Thank You, Lord, for the way You're at work in our lives. You never give up on us. Thank You for the hope that is ours through Christ Jesus. And we just pray, Lord, that You might prepare our hearts for Your coming. Both at Christmas, both at Your second coming, Jesus, and even in a few moments, and approaching your table. Fill us with thankful hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand and let's...